This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. I'm so glad you're with us today on the Clark Howard Show because our mission is to serve you and empower you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. One of the ways we do try to help you achieve your money-saving goals is through our newsletters, they're free, and our content at Clark.com. So newsletters, Clark.com slash newsletters, and you see what's available. Something else we do at Clark.com, submit your Clark Stinks at Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. And it's time for me to hear what I got wrong. And after that, if you're someone who is willing to be fleet of foot and move frequently, you might actually get a much better deal on rent. I'm going to tell you how that works. And I actually have a brother who did something like this before the modern technology era saved him a fortune. But right now it's time for you to hear from the vast array of complaints that we've had about things I've said or done on Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. The transitory, in quotes, inflation has been stinking for a while now. Unemployment is inversely proportional to inflation. So while I understand that there were many inflation apologists out there, I didn't think you would have been one of them. Would you agree that inflation isn't going to move much until we see unemployment start to tick up? Love the show, Joseph. Joseph, thank you. First of all, I was one of the people who was flat out wrong when the inflation genie started. And I thought it was really because of the supply chain disruptions. And I was wrong, as were others. But let's just talk about me. I was wrong because I was focusing too much on the inflationary pressures we were feeling with goods. And I really missed the picture of the much more stubborn, more difficult inflation that involves services. Inflation has come down, but there's been too much money sloshing around the economy. And the Federal Reserve is doing a lot with it. If you want to really get pointy-headed, what's going on with M2 right now is a good indicator of what the Federal Reserve is doing, trying to soak up money out of the economy so we don't have too much money chasing too few available services or goods. And so, yes, one of the things that ultimately is a sad byproduct of attempts to rein in inflation once the genie is out of the bottle is you try to create hardship in the employment sector so that employees are afraid of bugging the boss for more pay or the boss having to offer more pay to attract workers. So that will be part of the picture. The good news, and there is good news here, is we're starting from such a such an extremely historically low level of unemployment 
that we're not going to be in an ugly cycle of unemployment in order to get inflation out of the economy. But we will get inflation out of the economy if the Federal Reserve does not lose its nerve. Clark failed to consider the potential state tax deduction in his response to a listener question about a 529 plan. If their state allows a deduction, it would be beneficial to open and contribute to a 529 plan, even if they plan to use the funds right away for college expenses. Rick. Rick, 100% correct. And the fact that I neglected to mention that, even though I've mentioned that before, and I remember the question, and I just, that chip in my brain was (laughs) malfunctioning. You know, we had this chip shortage, and that one must need replacing. You're right. Words matter. Please use the terms credit inquiry, hard pull, or soft pull, etc. To me, a credit hit is a negative impact to one's credit. A soft pull has zero impact to one's credit and credit score. When you say a soft hit, I believe that infers a small negative impact to one's credit, which is misleading. Keep the soft hits and hard hits and get ready for the next NFL season. Go Lions, Jim in Michigan. Jim, hope springs eternal. The Lions eventually will be victorious. It just always seems to push off a little more. The seasons that it just seems so promising. So you mentioned the NFL. I immediately go into that. I know. Uh, So, yes, very well put. I've always used the expressions soft hit, hard hit, and I should use soft inquiry, hard inquiry, or as you said, hard pull or soft pull, because I do mistakenly make it sound like if I say soft hit, just as you said, that it has a minor impact when the reality is a soft inquiry has zero impact on your credit scores, credit standing. And if you did not hear this before, hard inquiry or hard pull is when you initiate an application for credit. A soft pull or soft inquiry is when someone you already have a relationship with is checking up on you, uh, and that credit card companies do this every single month on us, that has zero impact and is not an inquiry that affects your score at all. You definitely don't stink, but I could use a little more information when it comes to cruises. Whenever you discuss them, you always tell us that a first-time cruiser should contact a live travel agent when making reservations, but you're extremely vague in giving reasons why we need to do this. Why shouldn't first-time cruisers take advantage of online deals for cruises? What exactly should first-timers pay more for a travel agent's advice? Is it not possible to effectively research ships and activities on our own, Dennis? Dennis, thank you. All right, so there's a thing about the cruise industry. When you read reviews online uh, that are posted by a cruise blogger or you watch YouTube videos about a ship or a line, Uh, they all suffer from what I call sins of omission. They are dependent on having good relationships with the cruise lines in order to get cabins for free or upgrades for free or whatever when they are bloggers or whatever that follow the cruise industry. So you only hear positives or omissions of negatives. It's not like there's no consumer reports of cruise lines this unbought and unbossed is just telling you, hey, this cruise line's a dump or whatever. <laughs> so you're not going to have that. Everything's going to be glowing at the least. It's kind of like the Airbnb problem where if an Airbnb is four and a half stars, the Airbnb is actually a dump because <laughs> everybody's graded 
in the fours all the way to five. Nobody is ever below a four, it seems. So you cannot decipher or discern looking online when a cruise is really going to be not okay for you, your lifestyle, or whatever. In addition, think about this versus an airline ticket. You buy an airline ticket on an airline that turns out to be a nightmare pretty much for the most part, it's a so what, because it may be a bad phase of your trip, but it's just taking you to your destination where the fun is going to start. The cruise ship is your fun. It is your destination. And if you pick a line that's really not suitable for your lifestyle, what you enjoy or whatever, then you spent a lot of your hard-earned money on a really crummy week or three days, four days, five days, whatever it is. What a cruise expert can do, they're going to ask you questions about what you like to do, what you normally enjoy doing in your leisure time, what kind of other trips you take to try to gauge what kind of level of travel you enjoy, what kind of activities you want. So let's say you're somebody who really likes a chance to really party. Okay, there are a lot of cruise lines I could name. You're not going on if that's what you're into. You're going to be bored to tears. I'd say the opposite is normally true. Like if you want quiet, you really need to be careful. You really need to, um, you don't go on carnival because they are the, they, they call themselves, are they the fun ships? Whatever they call themselves. In fact, carnivals had so much problem with raucous parties that they've recently issued a warning to passengers on the limits to how much partying is okay. And if you party too much, and you don't follow their rules, they're throwing you off the ship mid-cruise. So this is why that cruise lines have personality profiles, if you will, and they have levels of luxury or lack of luxury. So that's why when you're new to this, having a cruise expert is really important and more important than the money in this case because you don't want to spend even a bargain amount on a week that you're going to hate. Also, like choosing your cabin down to the specific floors and stuff. That's confusing. The really experienced agents say, oh, no, you never want to be on deck six on that ship because blah, blah, blah. You want to be on deck nine or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You don't stink. However, I do believe I'm cheaper than you. Ha. (laughs) You talk about trying to get the best out of a razor, an electric shaver, etc. But I believe the better option is to buy an electric hair trimmer set. It comes with multiple options and I use it to cut my hair and shave. The best part is I bought mine for under $15 and it has lasted almost nine years and is still going strong. I'm not the best barber, but my better three quarters doesn't mind. <laughs> it's a little savings like this that allows me to max out a Roth IRA and 401k. Thanks again for all you do, Perry. Okay, so Perry, do you know what divorce court costs? <laughs> if I cut my own hair, what would Lane do to me? Well, I think he's, well, Perry has his better three quarters do it for him. Yeah, <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> oh boy. My wife had me completely locked down in 20 during the pandemic, and my hair was getting really ridiculous. And I do TV five days a week, and TV was really getting upset with me because I was looking really disheveled. And this became a problem. I mean, I, this is a case where I actually pay $16.95 for my haircut. That's pretty embarrassing that I spend that much, isn't it? Mm. 
I won't tell you what I pay. Sixteen ninety five plus tip. I wanted to comment about your discussion on pharmacists. I've been a pharmacist in the St. Louis area for 22 years. There are two pharmacy colleges here and another in Kansas City. That said, the job market here is very bad and difficult to even find a job. So I'm guessing the shortage you've referred to probably depends on the region and probably specific to the retail sector. The working conditions in retail are indeed bad and most likely contribute to the shortages. Anyway, just wanted to give some context based on what I've experienced, Tom. Tom, I'm really sorry to hear that it's a bad job market. I mean, there were a number of years that pharmacist salaries were going up and up and up. And and we even have now uh, in markets where people are getting these large bonuses to sign up as a pharmacist. And that's really significant information. And I appreciate you sharing it, that in your market in Missouri, that it's the opposite. There's a surplus, not a shortage of pharmacists. Mr. Howard, you absolutely stink. Oh boy, Mr. Howard. I have not been getting 4% cash back buying gas at Walmart. While you may carry the Costco Anywhere Visa card in your wallet, mine will stay in the kitchen drawer for purchases only at Costco. My Sam's Club MasterCard is now in my wallet and I will keep getting 10 cents off per gallon plus 5% on top of that. If you don't believe me, I have the statements to prove it, John. John, okay, so with the Costco card, also with the Sam's Club MasterCard, there are certain places if you buy gas, they're not going to give you the 4% at Costco, the 5% at Sam's. And yes, if you are a member of both warehouse clubs, you buy a lot of gasoline, you want to pull out that Sam's Club MasterCard and get your 5% cash back on every gallon of gas you buy up to this crazy limit they have that they cap your gas rebate each year. Clark, you missed the mark by just a bit on your listener answer about Monte Carlo forecasting for retirement. You did mention financial engines as a tool that uses Monte Carlo forecasting, but you forgot to mention your girlfriend, Vanguard, offers a limited version of that tool for free. I believe it's for accounts of a certain balance that's available, but you were the one who told us listeners about it on your show the first time years ago. So your full advice bears repeating again, Jason. Thank you, Jason, for doing so. And I don't know why I didn't mention that a lot of Vanguard customers are eligible for Monte Carlo modeling. And if you're not familiar with what this term means, where it does extreme calculations based on various stock market returns in years and all the years you're leading up to retirement and in retirement to let you know the outside risk or benefit, either extreme, of how you have your investments done, the mix of your portfolio. And for a lot of people, there's a great fear in the five or less years leading into retirement and those first five years in retirement. So Monte Carlo modeling is an extremely valuable tool where you can play what ifs so you can sleep well at night or see you need to make changes so you can sleep well at night. I listen every day while eating lunch since 2021, but I think Clark and Krista are stinky times too here. You guys mentioned it was very popular having a double Clark Stinks Day, but how can you be sure? Personally, I prefer the normal Clark Stinks Day once a week, 
but I like most people until this time will not write a question or a stinks message. So maybe mention a survey every now and then where you might get a better representation of what listeners like and don't like as much. You all do a great job with the show and have taught me a lot. Thanks, Chris. Chris, thank you. All right. So how do we know if listeners and viewers who watch the show who prefer the occasional double up of Clark Sinks, we know from the number of downloads. And do you have recent data on whether the double Clark Stinks outperforms? So we'll check that because we let the wisdom of the crowd decide. And if, in fact, we find that it's a tune out for people to do our occasional special edition double Clark Stinks, we're not going to do it. On the other hand, if it's a big booster shot for the number of downloads, then you will hear occasionally the double Clark stinks. And the reason we do it is not for those numbers. We do it because there are times we get so many Clark stinks backed up, we want to get to more of them. Because there are times that my discount deodorant and discount soap just aren't doing the job and we need extra time to hear all the ways I should spend more on deodorant and soap. So that's the story. And I want to tell you, coming up next, good news on rents. Rents are dropping overall all over America. And this is a great thing. But what if you want to get even cheaper rent? I got a weird way for you to do it. And that's straight ahead. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, I mentioned just a few minutes ago, just in passing, that apartment rents are dropping. The Wall Street Journal recently reported that apartment rents have dropped in every major market in the United States month after month for the last six months. And this is such a reversal when we saw rents going up and up. And the number of apartments, new apartments, that are going to be available in 23 is the largest supply in at least 40 years of records. So apartment developers saw these rising rents of the last many years, and they all decided pretty much at once they were going to build new apartments. So those apartments are all built towards the high end. So if you are of more modest income, living in a more uh, moderately priced apartment, you may say, well, that's nice for for high-end renters. What about us? What happens 
is that the overall supply ends up influencing the rent levels that people pay. And what will happen is that people who are in more modest apartments see the deals in nicer places, they move, creating vacancies and lower cost apartments that then have to struggle to fill their apartments. So this is good news all the way around, but still rents are high. So what's the alternative if you're looking for cheaper rent? Well, USA Today did such a fun story that reminded me of my brother Neil forever ago. My brother Neil was trying to stretch money in his younger days And what Neil was doing, Neil had really good taste in furniture and furnishings, decorating and all that. And it was during a housing slump in the United States. And he would go to a real estate agency that was having trouble selling a home. And he'd say, well, you can rent my furniture. And what he meant was he would show home the house and he'd pay to move in, he'd pay to move out. And he'd get free rent in return for furnishing and decorating the place. Some of staging is very common now. It was not 35 years ago. And so he'd move into a place, a place that had not sold. This first one he moved into sold, went under contract really quickly. And word got around in the town he lived in. And he moved again and again and again. And his only expense was the moving truck. And this is before the internet and having to set up phone service. He did not pay rent till the economy recovered in the housing market. He didn't pay rent, I think, for three years, something like that, just moving from place to place to place. Well, now there's something going on that is really crazy. It's called a bump notice. In this situation, these are available around the country you become a standby renter and this is going to become even more of an opportunity as landlords with all this new inventory of apartments coming on they're going to want some money coming in so unlike my brother getting the free rent a standby membership allows you to pick a fully furnished one two or three bedroom apartment 350 cities in this and you pay a flat rate of rent that is heavily discounted from normal rent. But the idea is the landlord is bringing in some money in an apartment that would sit empty otherwise. And the discount you get is about a third off rent. What's the catch? The catch is if they end up renting your unit, you have to move in 72 hours. 72 hours, you got to go. It's almost like staying in an extended stay hotel, except you don't get to decide how long you stay. The landlord decides how long you stay. But in return, you get this heavily reduced rent in a furnished place. So what you're having to move are your clothes and whatever possessions you have other than that. But you get the advantage of the discount rent. So this is something that, Uh, Gosh, this is so me. But I'm telling you, my wife would hate this idea. I remember I was visiting our daughter when she lived in Pasadena in Southern California. 
And I was staying at a new residence in by Marriott that I got on Priceline. And I'm staying in this thing and I walk it off. Yes, I really did this. It was 450 square feet approximately. And I was like, I could live in this. This would be great. And I was talking to my wife and I said, you know, honey, this, I mean, this is so much better a way to live. We just live in this. She she said, go ahead if you want to. I'm not coming. (laughs) Krista, I mean, you can hear Lane saying that, can't you? Yeah. I I mean, mean, understandably. I remember when we used to be (laughs) on the endless book tours Uh and I'd get in these hotels and be some of them would be really nice, some would be really crummy, and some would be in between. And I'd get to someone and think, wow, this would be great. I could see just living right here in this hotel room forever. Yeah, there was this one time. I mean, you do have, like, you know, you have an optimistic outlook on things. And we were in a My hotel. My rose-colored glasses. And you, um, well, you always say I have Christa-colored glasses, but you are just as guilty. And you called me from your room and you were like, wow, did you, they give you a room? This room is so elegant. I mean, the drapes and the, like this, you're describing your room. Like it was so incredible. And I was like, oh my gosh, they must've like given him like the presidential suite, you know? So I go up to see this, you know, palace and it's the same exact room I was in, like same. (laughs) And ever since then, you've always laughed at me that my vision of luxury and elegance is very different than yours. The more money you save, the nicer it becomes in your eyes. You have savings goggles that you put on. Like if you've saved a bunch of money, you're like, this place is amazing. Like you, isn't it true? It is true. Okay. We'll get some questions here. Steve in Illinois says, why don't you ever talk about the benefits of making biweekly or bi-monthly mortgage payments? Typically a mortgage is a consumer's largest expense each month. And most people are paid bi-weekly or two times a month. A person can dramatically cut down the interest they pay over time and cut years off their mortgage terms by simply paying their mortgage two times a month or better bi-weekly, which has you making 13 payments a year versus 12. Once you get used to the making the bi-weekly payments, depending on your income, you may notice the small change in your cash flow. Anytime you get a mortgage payment question, I think you should highlight the benefit of the bi-monthly or bi-weekly mortgage payments, regardless of what interest rate a customer has. All right. Thank you. All right, Steve, I appreciate your post here. All right. First thing is that mortgages, the interest rate on almost all mortgages in the United States, different than other countries, the interest is not calculated daily, like a car loan or credit card or something like that. Interest is calculated monthly. So paying your payment, let's say half a payment twice a month, will not actually save you any money at all. But paying bi-weekly will save you money by doing exactly what you said in your post. You will, over 52 weeks, have made 26 half payments to the equivalent of 13 monthly payments. And so you will have the advantage of having made the equivalent of one additional payment per year, reducing the length of your loan. Now, you said regardless of interest rate, so I, I don't talk about this now because if somebody has a legacy interest rate on a loan, they've never refied, maybe their balance is too low for it to make sense to refi, doing extra payments on principal, and it doesn't have to be paying every other week, and just be paying an extra amount every month on the payment coupon 
there will be a box for additional principal payment. So you send them an extra amount on that and do it consistently every month. You will reduce the principal and reduce the length of term of your loan meaningfully. But because it is ultra rare in the United States to have an interest calculation other than monthly on a mortgage, paying a monthly payment you know, twice in a month, half of it twice in a month, will actually not save any money at all on the interest or the balance of the loan. And this is from Sue in Wisconsin. Regarding eyeglasses and contact prescriptions, why do they expire one year after the eye exam date? Optical retailers will not fill an order if the prescription is more than a year old. To me, it's an unnecessary expense and hassle, especially for someone without vision insurance, to reorder contacts or purchase new glasses. In addition to an eye exam, I must pay a contacts fitting fee each time, even though my prescription hasn't changed in 10 years. I live in a rural area, so would like to reorder contacts online. There is no retail optical center that might offer a free exam within 40 miles of my home. Can you explain why this one-year rule exists and suggest how I can get around it? So first of all, I'm confused because I don't know if this is by state. I guess we need to get an answer to this because my prescription is a two-year prescription that I get every time I get an eye exam because I just had my eyes examined the prescription I got was good till 25 that I just received. My daughter has contacts and has to get a new one every year. So I don't know. So maybe there is a difference. So uh, maybe we should check the legal thing on that as to why that might be required with contacts and not on glasses is contacts are considered to be a medical device in a way where you could have uh, a problem with your eye that could undiagnosed could lead to significant deterioration of vision or even blindness. And that could be the reason why, but we're only speculating here, Sue. So we are going to get an answer to this for you if it's different than what I just said. But yes, no doubt contact lenses create a financial burden and buying them online or from one of the warehouse clubs Uh, Forgetting the cost of the eye exam, getting your contact lenses from a discounter, which you have a full legal right to have the full contact lens prescription so you can fill it anywhere, can make a huge difference in what you have to pay for the lenses over time. The issue with the exam, we'll find out if the one-year thing is what you suspect, that it's because of contact lenses being a riskier venture. Shirley in California says, you've literally changed my life for the better with your great advice. Anyway, my family and I will be vacationing in Oahu this August for a week. There are seven of us and we'll be renting a large vehicle to drive around the island. You say not to pay for extra car insurance from the rental company, but relying on your own car insurance policy. I called my insurance agent and he said the rental should be covered for most things, but loss of use is limited to $1,000. Does that mean if the car is damaged and in the shop being repaired for a long time, it could go over the $1,000 limit? I asked the agent, what does he do when he goes on vacation? And he said half the time he buys the extra insurance and the other half he doesn't. What should I do? That is this craziest. Well, this time I roll the dice and this time I don't. That's a funny answer. So uh, that's why I'm always for the twofer, which is where you want to see if your own automobile insurance covers you and use a credit card that provides at least what's known as secondary coverage, whatever your auto insurance doesn't cover, 
that the credit card steps in. So what's the loss of use limit of $1,000? The car rental agencies, and let me tell you, the insurers argue with the car rental agencies like you can't believe about this. The car rental agency will calculate a daily loss of revenue to them of X number of dollars for a vehicle that's now not available for rent. And so this has been a huge fuss with the insurance industry saying the car rental companies are using crazy, insane calculations of loss of daily net revenue for that vehicle. And so that's what they're fighting about. And that's why they cap it at the thousand. So you have the additional benefit if you use a credit card that covers temporary use of a rental car and you have the coverage from your auto insurance, I would say you still decline all the pseudo insurance kind of stuff from the car rental agency. And you have an update on the contacts question of just moments ago? Yes. So the FDA does classify contact lenses as medical devices. So you have to have a doctor's prescription. And according to 1-800-CONTACTS, they say uh, it's common to hear that contact lens prescriptions expire in a year. The truth is it depends. Most contact lens prescriptions expire between one and two years after your eye exam or contact lens fitting. Multiple factors, including state laws, determine how long your prescription lasts. So the state can say you can't have a two-year script. You can only have a one. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful you found that out. So uh, it may be that the problem, Sue, in your state is that your state is the one that requires the one-year limit. If you search online for your state, you may find that's the reason, or it may be that this is a full employment practice on the part of the eye examiner that he or she wants return visits once a year instead of every two years. I mean, I want to just say, I do think it's important to get an exam every year, especially if you're wearing, as a former contact lens wearer, I, I had problems and your eyes don't necessarily get the oxygen they need. There can be you don't want to let an eye problem go a long time. So I, on behalf of optometrists, need to say that it is important. And don't forget the ophthalmologist. Yes. I do think it's important. Okay. Thank you, Krista. And thank you for listening today. We hope you'll consider joining our Clark.com community. It's full of fellow money savers. Community.clark.com. Have a great day and a good weekend.